Hello and welcome to the Cicada Lounge podcast. My name's Jordan Foster, as always, and today we're talking with Dr. Erica McAllister. So, Erica is uh, she works at the British uh, Natural History Museum in London. She is the senior curator of Diptera and or Diptera, as I was as I was corrected. Um, yeah, she's she's just a diptera is essentially um, all true flies. So that's everything from mosquitoes and house flies and uh, blue bottles and all that kind of thing, bee flies especially. It's a, such a it was such an interesting chat. It really really was. So we're not going to waste too much time. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about what uh, Erica's done after the podcast. But yeah, enjoy it. It's a long one. Right, so yeah, just to just to introduce who I'm talking to today, I'm talking to Dr. Erica uh, McAllister. Uh, you work for the um, like London Natural History Museum. Yeah, you're one of the curators of um, Diptera, which is a true flies, essentially, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Diptera. Diptera. My um, my advice with scientific names is say them quickly. Right. Okay. And then people don't realize when you're stumbling across them because they just think you sound really professional. <laughs> so I work with Diptera and Siphonaptera. Right. So brilliant. Fleas. Fleas. Right. Flies and fleas. Flies and fleas. So I've got to ask um, obviously, we'll get into why we're going to make a good case about why um, flies and fleas are a good thing for the planet and why we should want to keep them around. What got you started with? um flies in flies in general what what got you started with the natural world in general i should say um the natural world is it's obvious because mm. it's amazing so um it's not like i made a conscientious decision to get involved with it mm. i just loved it and therefore it became my life um i was very lucky in that i was able to develop um professionally almost organically in terms of I didn't realize you could be an entomologist as a child. I didn't even know this sort of thing existed. Hmm. I had no idea about the NHM, the Natural History Museum and what they did. And so suddenly I'm like, you know, how many, <laughs> a few years later and I'm like, oh my gosh, wow. So I've always liked insects because hmm. they are the most important. You, you can't, you know, you can, you can flutter around looking at some pretty birds, but there's only so many. Mm. And when it comes to doing things, and I'm a very practical person, I like things doing things. And you just see the industry that goes on in your garden with all these little insects. Like, I've got to do this, I've got to do this. And it's always like, come on now, now. And I'm like, you're okay, insects. And I kind of, I like that. I appreciate that. And I flitted around other groups and they're good, but they weren't as interesting as flies. Mm. So I specialised a lot in ecology. I'm really interested in interactions and I, I love understanding, you know, when you're sitting in your garden, you see something happening. It's, it's knowing why that's happening. And I mm. find that fascinating. And most of the instances, you're going to find a fly with their little feet stuck in there and doing something, be it something that a lot of people will find gruesome. Yeah. But I find it fascinating. And so once I got involved with flies about 20 years ago, that was it. I was like, oh, that's me. Hmm? I was uh, very lucky as an undergraduate. Um, one of my lecturers was um, Dr. Dick Askew. Hmm. And he, he is the king of parasitica. He, he's the absolutely like, and he scooped up this pile of insects. And he was like, Erica, that one eats that one. 
that lays its eggs in that one and that mains that one and I, I just looked at him and I was like well that's me I'm gone I'm gonna be an entomologist and I'm gonna look at these things that eat each other that's amazing that's brilliant it's um it's it really is a world of its own I should say like the like mini beasts and other insects and arachnids and that entire world really is um oh god it's like to them like their um their view on the world must be so detached from what we see because i mean we, yeah yeah sorry we are so insignificant vertebrates yeah i mean there are more species of flies in the uk than there mm. are mammals on the planet and when it comes to biomass we're uh, we do produce a lot of biomass yeah. but we do not produce as many as say ants so we have to remember that we're insignificant. Um, our impact is not, however, yeah. and, and that is a major problem because actually these insects are the ones basically making sure, ensuring that this planet is a decent planet to live on. Mm. So we have to be very, very thankful for them. Yeah, it was, um, I think it was, uh, you might have met him as well, uh, Dr. George McGavin. Um, yeah, he Maybe said that, yeah, he's he's great. He's he said that um, insects are the food of the world, essentially. And he they're not yeah yeah they're not just the food of the world. They they produce the food of the world. Yeah, flies are basically the only things that pollinate chocolate. Yeah, the cacao beans. Yeah. Yeah, you get rid of flies. I mean, yeah. I I don't mind because everyone knows I hate chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the irony there, you know, these biting midges. That family are the mm. ones that pollinate this revolting food source for you. Yeah. And that was why um it was been it's been so unsuccessful to be able to grow cacao beans in the rest of the world. I think there was only one successful plant that managed to be grown in in the UK, I heard, and that one uh, they made enough cacao beans to provide for one really really tiny bar of chocolate <laughs> and they gave that to the queen. Was that the, was that the story? I don't know, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. And then the cacao is, is, I describe it as the panda of the plant world. It's, <laughs> it's really, you know, it's just genuinely quite crap at reproducing. <laughs> I it's, agree. Uh, it's all lots of excitement. And if you see the midges, you know, they're, 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 they're minute. Mm. They look like a jar of full stops, you know, right. and then they need to be this small <laughs> to enable them to get around the most stupidly complicated insides of this plant to pollinate it yeah and we come along with our uh, our ignorance and we're like yeah we can just do these monocultures of it and it's like no you've got rid of the adult habitat mm. you've got rid of the larval habitat just like we need to understand more about the flies and their ecology to understand our food sources yeah yeah totally agree so let's so there's all kinds of different animals that fall under diptera as you say yeah, I've got it right this time, Diptera. Um, that includes things like mosquitoes, right? Yep. Yeah, so obviously mosquitoes have got a bit of a bad rap uh, for themselves because they, uh, they're they vectors, vectors of diseases. Well, and... hold on, let yeah. me qualify. Yeah, please. It's about yeah, yeah. 3,300 species of mosquito. Yep. Of which 10 are really important vectors. Yeah. Okay, so a lot of the others aren't vectors, and mm -hmm. um, even some of the adults, so it's the female that blood feeds, but in mm. some mosquitoes, not all the females don't blood feed. Mm. So there's a whole group of them. I like, hold on a minute, back off. We're just pollinating and being lovely. Yeah. 
So, yes. Now, the mosquitoes, you've got to think about it, they're being manipulated as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel, you know, it's these poor mothers yeah. driven to ensure that they have the best offspring ever. And that's why they want the blood meal, because it's the mm. most nutritious. And the viruses, the bacteria, mm. little, uh, little tiny uh, worms have manipulated these hosts to keep attacking us and going for more and more blood for mm. their own nefarious deeds. Yep. You think about the plasmodium, malaria. Mm-hmm. So this um, causes a change in behavior in mosquitoes, making them feed more, mm. more viciously, more ferociously. And so they have manipulated these vectors and thus manipulating humans for a long, long time. Mm. So I don't necessarily want to get rid of mosquitoes. Yeah. Even those 10 species, I may mm. be tempted with those 10 species, but I do want to get rid of the little organisms in them creating this sort of behavior yes yeah yeah that's that's actually what i was going to be i was going to be driving to so there's all kinds of different um different technologies these days like uh what cas9 and different gene editing um technologies that um you probably know this much better than i do but there's um there's this instance where you could alter the the dna of say one mosquito species and then that mosquito species goes off into into the wild and because of its unique unique dna structure it's more resistant or completely immune to say contracting malaria so then that um unique um aspect of that particular mosquito um jumps between generations and then over a few generations um, you've got loads of different mosquitoes that ha- are quite resistant to catching malaria, and then eventually, malaria doesn't exist within that species. Is that so, something yeah, that's, that's familiar? That's, that I see is the most ideal way. Now, there's there's various problems with that. Yeah. Um, identifying what species are to start with is number mm. one. Uh, a biological definition of a species is a bit loose and flexible when it comes to insects in many ways because yep. we don't know. And mosquitoes, so. Um, you know, Aedes aegypti, um, Anopheles gambii, that's the big malaria one, yeah. has actually, I think, seven species within that complex. So they're morphologically alike, but they have got different behavior responses and they have a different uh, propensity for carrying malaria. Mm. So some won't bite humans. But within, if you do this gene manipulation and you ensure that the, you is inherited um, resistant, which I think is good, Mm. I think this is way better than trying to eradicate a species of mosquito because what you're doing is you're not creating an ecological gap. So if you got rid of suddenly the Anopheles gambii, <coughs> you yeah. know, suddenly other mosquitoes are like, woohoo, look at this environment. Mm. Look at all those humans, they're going to get attacked and the malaria is like, do you know what? We're just going to skip to that one. Yeah, yeah. So it's really important that we kind of don't get rid of them we, and then say, I'm sorry, humans, you're going to have to be bitten still. <laughs> then we just create something that ensures that they don't get plasmodium. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. I just remembered the name of the gene editing software. It's CRISPR, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. CRISPR. When CRISPR um, came out, everyone was a bit like, ooh. And it's, some of the applications are very interesting, but it does, and I don't know enough about CRISPR. It's a, it's a completely like, well. Yeah. But it scares me slightly. Yeah. That we're going to be manipulating without truly understanding the consequences because we don't know enough about the genes themselves. I mean, yeah. the gene, 
when we, we started, what, what ooh, nearly 100 years ago, mm. looking at genes and, and things like that, but we still like properly, ugh. like Drosophila, we've been working on for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's the best model organism. Obviously, it's a fly. Yeah. And, you know, we still <laughs> uh, are still many, many new novel things that we're understanding about this fly. Mm. So when we move across to other species, it's a little bit eek. <laughs> yeah no it is that's my technical summation eek <laughs> it's uh, it really <laughs> I is on any government advisory panel it's um it's things gene editing software and gene manipulation in general really is a genie let out of a bottle i suppose isn't it because when you when you release that hypothetical mosquito in that is resistant to um malaria into the wild you can't get it back and that and that could mean all kinds of ramifications really yeah because humans have a really bad track record at releasing (laughs) things into the wild without understanding them and you know it's Mm. like hello let's look at australia what we did there with so much of the native fauna ridiculous and Um, it's just like oh we've been i mean you just look at the failure of biological control around the world and it's yeah. like oh gosh this is even little things this is not a huge big thing yeah i mean it, something has to be done the impact of millions of people mm. every year uh, they can't sit still but yeah i've just noticed a massive spider can you oh. identify it it's a, a cellar spider Ooh. you know the um for like, what the um the ones with the little black legs uh black knees right it's really cute little female <laughs> just don't know how she got in she's quite happy <laughs> Sorry. being distracted by spiders yeah no i know it's, it's just there so i'm really sorry about this i'm trying to concentrate at you i really am i'm really bad in pubs as well because i'm like sitting talking and i'm like and, and my companion's like you're not paying any i'm just trying to figure out what it is yeah Oops no i'm i think i'm the same it's um i nearly sat on a, a woodlouse eating spider actually yesterday and that would have been very painful <laughs> did you um i've just been tweeting about the woodlouse eating spider oh yeah because the cambridge press did a little article about a woman who found one and and how it was uh, a monster a demonic a creature. monster and i'm like oh it's it's arguably one of the most attractive spiders we have yeah beautiful i would give anything to see one of these it is lovely I love these spiders but the press do like um turning our insects into monsters yeah that's right i mean if you took took the the like the false widow spider and how ridiculous the news coverage was about that yeah. that was absurd it really was i get it every year about crane flies right being, being the most venomous creatures on the planet if only what? they had mouth parts to pierce and i'm like Ah, oh, I don't know who started this. But I have no idea who started that. Uh, it's someone quite famous, and I can't remember who. And it's just like, no, they don't even have venom glands. Yeah. They, they, they are so, they, like, they could flutter you to death. <laughs> it, like, yeah. hit you Mate, with their leg. Yeah, they'll bump into you and you lose a leg. I know, I know. I've seen them flying around with like two legs, and you're yeah. like, "Oh God, you poor thing." Yeah, I know. I mean, I always, I always thought it was like the the harvestman spiders that had the the myth was it was crane flies, really. Crane no, flies. No, the, the problem is this is where common names is a problem. Yeah. Because you've got 
that lady over there, she's uh -huh. called the Daddy Long Leg Spider as well. Mm. Then you've got the Harvestman Spiders, and then you've got Crane Fly. Mm. And these were all called Daddy Long Legs. Oh, that's a pain. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, one of them is a spider, so we mm -hmm. let it off slightly. And they're venomous, obviously, because those true spiders are. Yeah. Um, the Apillion, the Harvestman, they're not. No right. Venom glands. So it's like, oh, bless them. But they, again, they've got, they like shred. They are so beautiful. I do love them. Yeah. And then you've got the tipulids. Now, there are a lot of venomous flies, mm -hmm. but the crane flies are not one of those. Right. Yeah. That's ridiculous. I can't believe a rumor got started about that. Anyway, <laughs> being distracted by flies in our rooms, um, I've got to ask, and I think I already know the, the answer. Um, what's your favorite fly? Mm. Ah. No, I, I hate this question. Ah. Okay, look, look, because every good diptrist has got a box of flies. Oh, yeah, I see it. Yeah, I like these uh, flashy. <laughs> 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 just for uh, everyone at home, um, Erica just held up a box to the camera with yeah. flashy written on flashy it. And, oh, wow. Is that a bee fly? Um, yeah, it's a bee fly. Bee fly. Now, these are little fluffy flying narwhals. Uh, and these are, are arguably one of our most enigmatic species in the UK. This is right. Bombilius major, the a dark edged bee fly. Yeah. And she, as an adult, is a fantastic pollinator. Mm. She's got a really long mouth part, hence the narwhal comment. Yeah. And she uses that to get into the part of plants that a lot of other pollinators can't get in. Right. So she's quite an important little pollinator. But she also squirts out her larvae, which entertainingly eat baby bees. Right. So they, yeah, they, um, solitary bees, like mining bees, they, they like those. So my garden is covered in these, which is brilliant. <laughs> um, this is an advocate of like lazy gardening. Yeah. Because then the grass grows slightly. The bees are like brilliant. I'm going to use your lawn and build my nests all over it. And then mm. my little fluffy parasites come along going, brilliant go to eat those and then there's, there's another parasite that's trying to get in as well so you can i, I this is why i'm always late for work in april when mm. these all come out it's like oh which lockdown this year was just as that started so i was just like my garden was just it, it came to life i was able to just legitimately spend hours looking at flies in there so it was great <laughs> so i i have a soft spot for those bee flies yeah um i have a soft spot for robber flies <laughs> robber flies i love them they're top yeah. aerial predators they're they're badass and they're venomous yeah and a lot of the females have mustaches which you know <laughs> gotta appreciate that yeah and um, so it's just and they are we're beginning to properly look at how they fly their venom glands their their whole because um, they are so good at attacking other things on a wing. Mm. You know, there's been uh, reports of them attacking hummingbirds in North America. Wow. Yeah, hummingbirds. I know. Yeah. That's pretty badass. That's pretty metal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on, come on. I'm yeah. loving it. But even here, they've taken down dragonflies. And everyone goes on about dragonflies being top predators. Yeah, I like, do. Back off. <laughs> You know, every time like someone does a documentary on pred predators, I'm like, just once, just once, give us insects. Yeah. 
because there's all these obvious, you know, let's they all do cats and whatever, and it's like they're boring. Yeah. There's no, you know, you've got these amazing aerial predators. Some of them can like reverse backwards at the last minute to attack yeah. their prey. You know, some of them are a jump, some of them lure, some do all sorts, you know, there, there's so much variety. Mm. And this is in your garden. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It's, I can um... watch death and carnage, <laughs> you know, till the cows come home. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not disputing how amazing um rubber flies are and i've seen plenty of them i think i've got to be on team dragonfly dragonfly no. even though i know i'm sorry but it's just does, does the rubber fly have an amazingly predatorial juvenile form like the dragonfly does well we don't know right oh okay so we, fair enough this is interesting now a lot of their, their juveniles are predators yeah. One, and they we think uh it depends what species that where they live some of them hang around in dung yeah. Um, and dung's a really good environment. So uh, I don't know if I've got it handy. <laughs> One of my favourite books ever was The Invertebrate Community of a Dung Pat. <laughs> and it's by, and this is like, you know, when you became, was it a determinative nomen? What is it when a person's name, determinative oh, nomenclature or something like that? Yeah. But the guy yeah. is called Peter Skidmore. <laughs> Skidmore. <laughs> and he looks at dung pats which is like brilliant that's fantastic and, yeah so these their larvae live in some of the species live in these dung packs and they feed on other larvae so they mm. will eat beetle larvae and things like that mm. so they are vicious um not all of them um interestingly because flies have been so poorly studied mm. we only know about 40 percent of the larvae of uk species wow 40 yeah. percent. yeah that's less than half that's crazy yeah. Isn't it? And you yeah. think there's 7,000 species in the UK. So you can read all these species description and they're like, oh, the adult this, that and the other. And then they can give you a few things. They may be able to tell you when, when their peak flying season is. Yeah. Some of them will even tell you what they feed on, but it's vague at the best. Right. And these are even like our most enigmatic and important species. Like mm. the hornet robber fly, Acillus crabroniformis. Right. She's beautiful uh -huh. i've never seen her in the wild which is really irritating yeah but her larvae we don't know much about we know they're associated with dung we don't know what whether they're in dung they're feeding on whatever yeah. and so you know this is a really important species yeah and we just don't give them the same credit as we do other animals so why even though that we everyone knows that insects and including flies are the base of any ecosystem in, uh, obviously you include vegetation and plant life and fungi um why is it so understudied because they got the term fly and when oh. you say fly immediately everyone thinks of one or two species yeah they think of those species. the mm. blue bottles the mm. house fly everything that they hate and mm -hmm. I thought you were drinking lager then no <laughs> monster not, yes, not, not sorry, promoted by Mon by monster or anything. <laughs> um, so they, 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 they will. That's all people associate flies with. They've mm. got a really bad press, um, and they just see those those few species as nuisances. Um, you know, at best, and as I describe them in the book, nuisances are best and harbingers of doom the worst. <laughs> yeah, they, um, which is a shame because you've just written off all of the other species which are incredible and even those species are really 
really important. Yeah. When it comes to getting rid of our, our waste, our decomposing bodies, mm. if we didn't have those species, it would be a really unpleasant environment. <laughs> yeah, be screwed. Yeah, we, we would literally be swimming in <laughs> shit. And, you know, it is absolutely, we need them. Yeah. And we've been, we are interested in them now. We're developing all sorts of things because of their ability to swim in the aforementioned feces. Yeah. This actually has been turning out to be quite useful because they don't get bacterial infections. So how do these maggots rolling around in this, this putrefying mass mm. not get it? And we're actually using that. Scientists are actually looking at their, their exoskeleton and mm. the hairs on their exoskeleton to understand how they avoid bacterial contamination. Oh. And we are transferring this knowledge to our own nanotechnology. So they are hydrophilic, they're, they're, the hairs. So yeah. they produce a water barrier between them and the filth they're swimming around in. So we are thinking about this when it comes to our pills, our medicine, etc. Right. So even their very, their very behaviour is actually turning out to be quite fantastic. Yeah. So you could potentially create a really, a really, really good antibiotic from studying yeah. larval form so flies. One that doesn't go off, one that's not able to, you know, we think about how the shelf life of some of these, if mm. we can ensure that our, our products aren't going off, how cool is that? That is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. See, maggots, amazing. Plus, they're really good detectives. You know, that little green bottle, mm -hmm. it's just, it's been there for thousands of years, solving yeah. crime. Yeah. You know, they've yeah. been uh, getting rid of, they've been, they've been doctors as well. They're getting rid of gangrene. They, they get rid of type, you know, um, MRSA. They munch themselves down on that. It's just like, these little maggots are getting a lot of crap and then dealing with a lot of crap, as it were. Yeah, I, I I just think they're fascinating. I remember watching one of your um, uh, seminars a couple of months ago, and you referred to Genghis Khan using maggots to be able to like get rid of rotting flesh and things like that from wounds. And yeah, he, I mean, you know, the guy was an enlightened dude. Yeah. Apart from the marauding across the Asian plains and, and destroying the loads raping of people and killing and, all and stuff. Sorts of yeah. Knowledge. When it come to understanding maggot behavior, he was amazing. <laughs> And he would carry Pioneer. a wagon <laughs> load of maggots to help his soldiers. Yeah. And it, it took another, it took like the American Civil War for it to become popular again. It's like, you know, the guy's realizing that these maggot infested soldiers are actually doing better mm. than the ones that weren't because they were getting rid of, of this, this necrotic flesh. Mm. Love maggots because you get to use all these wonderful words. Necrotic. Necrotic flesh. <laughs> like, yay. This is what Saturday mornings are designed for. Um, and so, you know, and there's all sorts of, there's some um, really, his, um, mm. I, even I had to admit there's some stomach churning stories of early experiments. Go on then. Go on. Live, live. Well, there's this doctor in America, and it's in the next book. So I'm not yep. going to tell you all of it, but he, he um, did loads of experiments, but he didn't sterilize the maggots to start with. So growing them on faces and then giving them to patients. Oh my God. Right. Okay. Yeah, that didn't work out well. Yeah. So you'd be glad to know nowadays, because you can get maggots on the NHS, they're all sterilized and they are perfect. They come in like little tea bags. Mm. They look amazing because apparently... Humans are a bit sensitive if they see maggots crawling across their flesh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This way you don't see them. 
and but their mouth hooks are able to come through the leaves as it were through the um holes in the uh, bag yeah and actually attack this rotting fish wow and they release a enzyme which stimulates skin growth so a wound of someone who's had maggot therapy looks so much better afterwards yeah. than one that's just cleared up naturally that's brilliant i know and and we can get it on the nhs i'm so <laughs> looking forward to the time i split myself open like yay look i got maggots on me <laughs> that song that never made it yeah people deliberately like people that study insects deliberately self-harming just so they can have maggot therapy well yeah there is people do love to get a bot fly because that's another <laughs> maggot growing inside you oh and there's like a badge of honor when you've had a bot fly have you got this badge of honor no. No. Um, yet. The editor yet. of one of the editors of BBC Wildlife magazine dropped me off a butterfly once at the museum. Mm. He, he turned up at the visitor entrance, and his wife had contracted it in their honeymoon. <laughs> on their honeymoon. Oh wow! And she didn't want it. So anyway, it's in the museum <laughs> now, which is quite sweet. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> oh wow no so um, <clears throat> if there was a case for anything going back to making a case for flies the fact that not one they're the beginning like the beginning of a food chain they like they they contribute to that base like the bottom deck like the bottom part of a house of cards and not only that but they can contribute to new antibiotics new medicines um, new uh, trauma treatments like we've just been talking about I don't... Mosquito mouth part. Yeah. Oh yeah. She, um, you know, she that's comprised of about six different parts to make up this kind of needle yeah. that is injected to you. Now this needle is not a, a solid needle that we think of when we have our injection. Mm. It's able to be manipulated. So what she does underneath the skin is the needle moves around till it finds the best source of blood. Wow. Now what crazy scientists are doing now is mimicking that. And we're developing these smart needles that can be moved around. So when we're having operations, they can avoid sensitive tissue. Right. See, how cool is that? So this thing... Like a that, hypodermic and, and also, silly straw. Yeah. And it injects <laughs> in it as well. You've got... Um, because it's injecting into you at the same time, it's releasing this enzyme, yeah. which is numbing your flesh. And we're, that's a tiny little bit of venom, if you think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're thinking about the components of that and how we can use them. Because obviously most people don't realise when they're being bitten. They realise mm. afterwards mm. when they have the histamine reaction. Mm. And so we can think, hold on, how can we use this thing that we don't like yeah. to actually aid surgery? So and it's not just... So ecologically, flies are amazing. Mm -hmm. But mechanically... They're stupendous. They are. I mean, we're, we're looking at how they fly, how they yeah. see. Your dragonflies can't fly like our hoverflies. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's, and they talk about the mass migrations. And now we're beginning to look at the mass migrations of flies because we're finally able to, to realize what's going on. Yeah. And a, and a class. So they talk about um, dragonflies, uh, you know, migrating yeah. across Europe. There's loads of species that hoverfly do that. Yeah, yeah. And what they do in the same time is they pollinate as they go. So they are right. transferring all of this pollen around Europe. They're very good Europeans. We like a hoverfly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they end up in the UK. And apparently it's sending like um, four billion turn up in the UK each year wow. of hoverflies. 
Okay, that you imagine that in the aerial plankton. Yeah. All of this, like, vroom. I worked out it's something like 15 African elephants of hoverflies turned up in the UK, <laughs> like, boof, coming across our skies. That's a lot of so They're transferring this pollen. <clears throat> they're really good pollinators because, because they get so high up, they mm. can look down and see the individual pockets of vegetation. So they're very, very good at uh, uh, dealing with the um, uh, transfer of pollen across different populations. So it's really good for the plants, really yeah. good for our uh, environment. And their larvae eat aphids. Yes. So when they turn up here, <laughs> these little maggot-munching um, beasties are yeah. fabulous. So they eat one little aphid, um, well, sorry, one little hoverfly larvae can feast on 400 aphids before it becomes an adult. Wow. I know. That's it's great. When that I find them in the garden, I go and find the aphids. <laughs> so <laughs> feed it to them. Yes, feed the aphids. <laughs> It's fantastic. Like lions at the Colosseum. But um... well, they rear up when they're feeding. Oh. You know, so this flailing little aphids like releasing pheromones. Run, my sisters, run. And the sisters can't figure out what's going on because yeah. the pheromones are going straight over their heads. It's, uh, <laughs> it reminds me of like an antlion almost, like uh, reaching up and snaring something above it. Big jaws. So there's a diptero equivalent. There's the, we call them worm lions. With the, right. the, you name it, mate. I can I can raise it with a fly. <laughs> I'm good at this. It's what I'm paid to do. Uh, there's uh, Vermilionidae. It's a family of flies. Sadly, they're not found in the UK, and they have conical pits. I they will do type exactly this down. The same. So yeah. Melionidae. Vermilionidae. Vermilionidae. Yeah. Okay. Okay, and their larvae are are little um, highly predaceous, living in conical pits. Wow. And not only do they live in conical pits, there's some horsefly larvae yeah. that parasitize these pits, uh, like hyperparasitize. They live alongside, so they eat the, the remains that this other fly isn't eating. Right. So it's a lot going on in, wow. in the. It's a sneaky world out there. It really is. Yeah, it really is its own little microcosm, little world. It's, you know, it seems like. If, if everything else buggered off, aside from fungus and plants, that the insect world could just happily. Well, you, Carry wouldn't on have about us. Wasn't, you wouldn't have the flowering plants if it wasn't for the insects. Yeah. So the reason we have flowers and, yeah. and so the earliest pollinators, even of gymnosperms, before the yeah. angiosperms came along, flies. Yeah. Flies. And it was like the scorpion flies, true flies and their relatives, which are all quite closely related. Yeah. They're the ones who got about doing it first. Yeah. Was that? Transfer. That was quite a few million years ago. It was like mid Triassic. Was it the Triassic? Yeah. Around that time happened. Where have I got? Obviously, it's in my new book. Uh huh. Yes, I was. I was going to mention. I was going to mention yeah. that. Yeah. So you already had out the um, the secret life of flies, and yeah. now this is the inside out of flies, which is going to come inside out this year. Out of flies. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And this comes out in September, and it's like the second album. It was cool. hard. It was definitely hard, but yeah. The and also because. In much of the way in the first book, um, we don't know. We don't know why some of these things are the way they are. Yeah. Yeah. So the one of the earliest pollinators, it had, I don't know if you can it, obviously it. I'm showing a picture here of a really long mouth part. That's Absolute, a mouth part. Yes. I thought it was an ovipositor. I didn't know that was a mouth part. No. <laughs> right. So it's a really long mouth part. And um so this um it's extreme. In fact, so this was um, 
it came out millions and millions of years ago this fly i can't mm. find where it is now but um so you know we've been and a lot of them have been um developing these massively long mouth parts uh -huh. there's um a fly called longy rostrous you can see where, where the name indicates yeah yeah and it is the equivalent is me having a tongue six meters long right that's how long the mouth part is in comparison that's a long so tongue. They're, they're, a lot of them are gilled pollinators as well you get rid of these flies and you get rid of the plants right that are connected to them. yeah yeah oh that's mental so we just <laughs> we just touched on a, a a decent like um a scientist that had a sense of humor for naming flies what's the best um latin name that you've got for flies <laughs> Okay, and I do this at the end of my book because uh, Dipteris is a bit weird. There's a guy, uh, Brian, uh, Brian, the fly guy in Australia. He's like my um, fly husband. Um, you'll understand he's just a dude. And he keep, he's just named, uh, they've just named some more flies, a robber fly after Deadpool because it looks like it's wearing a right and black, black and red suit. Yeah. Um, he also named the Beyonce fly because it's a horse fly with a golden bottom. Right. Um, <laughs> But um, there's the Schwarzenegger fly, Arnoldie. Um, it's, it's a tiny, 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 it's about a millimetre in length. No, it's right. not even that. It's smaller than that. It's, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's got really good muscly legs. <laughs> <laughs> they named it after Arnie. Uh, he liked that. There's um, the longest fly name. The longest scientific name of any animal is given to a fly. Oh, really? Of course. Yeah. And um, just talk amongst yourselves while I fly. <laughs> no worries. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, when does this? When does this um, new book actually come out? While you're finding it comes that? out next month. Next month, brilliant. Yeah. Right. So, so it comes out beginning of September. Fab. Um, it's um, yeah. It's 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 small. Yep. Hopefully it's okay. It's it's really complicated because I had, I mean, I don't know half these principles. I had to think about physics and mechanics and all of that, and it was like, gosh. Yeah. So trying to get my head around a lot of this was interesting. I thought um, us biologists wrote complicated papers, mm. so, but the jargon associated <laughs> was like, oh god. <laughs> Ah, oh, I'm like God. I'm really happy with my fly world. Yeah. Because of these, um... You'll never be bored. <laughs> well, and that's another thing. Yeah. What it's interesting is how much we don't know. I mean, we are going to have to keep learning more and more. Mm. So that you know, I I'm working on describing species. Mm -hmm. I, I have to exactly go to the Caribbean quite a lot too. Oh no! How terrible! Yeah. yeah. And I should have been there this year. And um, that's a real sad thing. But <laughs> just on houseflies alone, I've got a draw here and we have 30 new species to science. Wow. Yeah, that's just houseflies. Just in that draw. Right. One of the most described families in the world. Yeah. And yet, right, just to show. Next, I'm going to move on to um, some tachinids, which are parasites. That's yep. another family. Got new species of those. It's like, you know what? Every time I, I collect in this country, or that, uh, sorry, the, um, Dominica, where I am, yeah, I'm, likelihood is I'm collecting things that have not been described to science. Right. So we haven't even got their names, let alone understand their ecology. Yeah. So there is so much that we have to get our heads round, and we have to do this quickly because we really are affecting the planet. 
Yeah. And if we want to look after it, we've got to know what's there. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So if we want to, like we've been talking about, if we want to have a chance to be able to find these miracle cures, essentially, in different treatments and different antibiotics and all these things, we really have to protect all for all animal groups including flies and we we just got to get over this whole idea that flies equals bad in some way because it really it really doesn't it's you wouldn't we wouldn't have the world the egyptians had an amulet for when their soldiers were very tenacious of a fly because it was seen as a reward of their character their perseverance yeah and it's like yes this is what we need so you think about what is it one in four products in our chemist is from the amazon now, what pollinates wow. those trees? What pollinates those plants? Mm, I wonder. You know, you've yeah. got, you've got, and what? How are those 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 ecosystems maintained mm. if it wasn't for a lot of these creatures? Yeah. You may again hate all the mosquitoes, but just because they're, they're larvae, there's so much of it. Yeah. It it is so dependent for waterfowl. Yeah. All those bird lovers, they can't love my insects. Yeah, the, exactly. those massive aerial plumes of um, emerging flies are, are like a smorgasbord for for <laughs> your birds. Yeah, they they love it, and it's like yeah, see, you've got to look at that. That's it. Yeah, it's all in the chain. Did you say one in four products? Something like Amazon, that. Really? I, now wow. you're gonna have to directly look that up. Uh, yeah, fact, no, that's fine. For about twenty years, <laughs> you know, it's one of those facts, and I'm like. I, I don't know where I read it. No, I believe you. But uh, as we all know, the, the Amazon is not just burning, it's being burnt. And yeah, it's just, we just need to protect all of these different environments around the world. And then, then obviously, the whole, the whole, the whole chain is affected. If you remove one environment, then you lose countless thousands of species of insects, like you described, that haven't been discovered, yeah. and they lose all their potential to help humanity, essentially. Yeah, and this yeah. is one of the reasons that I am a huge advocate of where I work and who I work for. Yeah. So the Natural History Museum has been going on for hundreds of years. Its mm-hmm. collections are enormous. We have 80 million specimens, mm. of which 34 million are insects. So Hmm. this is a huge wealth that goes back, say, 300 years. Now, some of those species are not described, but some of those species, sadly, may be the only representatives of that species left or of that habitat left. And what we're trying to do now is to work out how to mine loads of information, genetic information, geographical information, etc., and repatriate that data so all of the original countries can use the information and help develop their own systems. Mm. So Brazil is a good example because obviously everyone used to just go there and take everything mm. and make the money elsewhere. And so then never the money went back to Brazil. So Brazil is very, very hot on making sure nobody collects there. Mm. It is for their people only. And I, I can understand this. So we work alongside, I have got so many Brazilian dipterists I work alongside, mm. which is great for flip-flops. <laughs> I don't ever have to buy flip-flops again. There's a good positive on that one. Yeah. But we are, we are going through our collections and they're going through what they have. And we're able to uh, produce really good papers on what is going on, what is happening, what species are there. And it's, you know, we can't just send all the specimens back say it that that would not be logical in in any way and so we can work on how we can actually help each other um get the most out of these specimens yeah i'm working on a project with mosquitoes from africa of anopheles gambii Mm. 
and Anopheles venestis, which is the second biggest malarial mosquito. And venestis right. has about 11 uh, within that um, species group. And what we're doing is we're trying to look at 100-year-old specimens, mm. extracting their DNA from this whole genome DNA from these specimens mm. to look what was going on then. Because it helps old modern researchers model population change and what's happening. Right. So our very old dead species, which physically are just a bit <laughs> worse for wear. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They are, bless <laughs> them. They're not very good for taxonomy, but they're great for what they contain. Mm. And so, again, we're being able to extract information we never thought we could do. And it's so helpful for understanding our planet today, Brilliant. which is great. Yeah, I think that is an excellent uh, point to wrap things up, I think, because we're going to run out of time very soon. Um, just to uh, just mention the book that comes out in early September, which is The Inside yeah. Out of Flies. The Inside Out of Flies. Yeah. Please pick that up. And then there's also the, the previous one, Secret Life of Flies. Brilliant. And they're both from the Natural History Museum. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Like, um, Also, just before I go, I have to ask, if I was to walk into the Natural History Museum, we pre-booked it beforehand, would you be able to at all show me around uh, Alfred Russell Wallace's fly specimens at all? I'm a big Not fan. at the moment. Oh, no. Oh. You'd have to wait. I'm afraid <laughs> behind the scenes now, because of you lot and your pestilence, <laughs> we have to be very, very careful behind the scenes. Yeah. So normally I would have said, of course. Well, I wouldn't actually. Would I? Yeah. I might have shown you some. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> come back to me, hopefully, yeah. in about six months. Yes. And it will hopefully be a different conversation. Brilliant. Hopefully. Yes. Be more than happy to. Of course, after after like this whole coronavirus buggers off, yes, I'll be more than happy to. But yes, thank yeah. But uh, I, I do definitely book yourself a ticket at the moment because this is the closest you will get to see the museum as we do. Uh, oh, yeah. There's so few people in it. I it's think beautiful. Oh, it's absolutely wonderful. That's beautiful. But yes, so um, Erica, thank you very much for coming on the show. Um, I'd love to have you back again. It's been a really, really nice chat. Um, I'm sure you'd have discovered countless many different fly species by the ne next time that we have a, another conversation. But yeah, um, pick up a book when it comes out um, next month. And uh, brilliant. Thank you so much, Erica. I really appreciate it, mate. Thank you. No worries. And we're back. Thank you so much, Erica, for coming on the podcast. It really was fascinating hearing you talk about all of the different qualities flies have and how interesting they can be and the different um, niches that they can have and I'd never look at a fly the same way especially our cuddly little bee flies but um, yeah thank you so much I really do appreciate it so for everyone at home The Secret Life of Flies was her the first book of the series that came out 2016 I believe uh, the next one, as we talked about, The Inside Out of Flies, comes out next month. So, yeah, 2020, September. Um, do pick it up. It sounds like an amazing read. I, I can't wait to grab a copy. But, yes, thank you again for coming on, uh, Erica. I'd love to have you back. Um, for all of you out there that want to uh, follow what Erica does, you can follow her on Twitter. Dr. Erica McAllister's Twitter handle is at fly girl nhm so that's um capital n 
capital H, capital M. So, at Fly Girl NHM. So yeah, um, follow her on Twitter. She's constantly posting everything to do about flies and updates about the book. Um, but yes, um, if you wanted to help the podcast in any way, please follow the Cicada Lounge on Twitter. Um, you can check out who produced the Cicada Lounge, which is Taito Productions on TaitoProductions.com. You've also got the Facebook page to check out as well. All of these get um, constantly updated with different episodes and different updates about what's going on and pictures and things like that. Please feel free to leave a review. That would help out the podcast a huge amount. Wherever you can leave a review, it doesn't matter if it's on Facebook or if it's on iTunes. Um, It really does help out uh, the podcast and just lets more people know what we're all about and generates a bit more traffic. So thank you so much for listening. Next time, uh, we've got another expert on all things invertebrates. So I won't give too much away, but I'm quite... I'm excited for this one because Erica has just given me just a bit of a taste for how exciting insects can be. So I think we're going to be on a bit of a tangent for a little while on all things creepy crawly. So can't wait to have Erica on next time and we get to talk about the book. Yeah, we'll talk about the book and what else she's been up to. But yes, until next time, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, My name's been Jordan Foster, of course, and I'll see you guys next time. Stay safe.